Danielle and Adrian and Camille. Come on, it's so good, man. I, so good. I, you know, we've been in a series on identity called Introducing. We've talked about God and how God is creator, he's good, he's love, he's father. Now Jesus, last week we talked about Jesus is the savior, the healer, and the deliverer. And, and you know, this week, as you may have gotten the hint from the song and everything else that just happened in worship, we're talking about you tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you tonight. He's, <laughs> he's talking about you tonight. I want you to do this for me real quick. If you have a, your phone or a paper or whatever it is, I want you to take, we're going to take 30 seconds at the most, and I want you to write down the top three words that come to mind when you think of yourself really quick. Go. Don't try to think about it or else it ain't going to be real. Just go right off the top of your head. The top three words or phrases that come to your mind when you think about yourself. Just write them down. This only works if you're honest, though, okay? So this only, this only works if you're honest. And we'll, 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 we're going to, I'm just going to give a pause here so that way you have some time. Keep that, and we'll 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 finish that later. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Now we're all gonna stand up and one by one. No, we're not doing that. Just keep it with you, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, you'll see. So I love Miss. I, you know, some you guys have heard these songs before. Colby Calais song, Try. And I just want to say some of these lyrics again, just in case uh, you didn't catch it. But there's some of these verses that say, "Wait a second. Why should you care what they think of you?" When you're all alone by yourself, do you like you? Do you like you? And then that chorus saying, you don't have to try so hard. And then at the end of the song, it says, look into the mirror at yourself. Don't you like you? Because I like you. Come on, this is, this is real talk. Look at your neighbor say, hashtag real talk. And the, kind of the mashup was with a song by uh, a girl named Jessie J, True to Who You Are. And... Uh, the first verse of that song says, I stare at my reflection in the mirror. Why am I doing this to myself? Losing my mind on a tiny error. I know that the real me on the shelf. Ooh. Look at your neighbor, the other neighbor, say hashtag real talk. It's real. It's real talk. And the reality is, is that these songs are coming out. I don't know if you noticed this, but I think... Was it us? No, no. It was Ben. I forget who was hanging out at our house. We were talking about these songs. And, uh, and we're realizing that a lot of the songs that are coming out today are actually releasing identity and releasing life as, as opposed to like a few years ago. It's, it's, you know, some of the songs, even today, you're, you're hearing some songs, but something's happening in the atmosphere. Something's shifting. Like people need to know who they are. People are crying out like to be secure, to be settled in who you really are. And I don't know about you, but many times we try so hard to get something that God gives us for free. We try so hard to get something that we already have in Christ. 
We work for a gift, in other words, if I can say it like that. And so many times we're working to get love. We're working to get acceptance. We're working to get approval. We're trying so hard to get value. We're trying so hard to get worth. And, and it could be through the way that we dress, through the way how we work, how we use our talents, how we talk to people. We try to impress people by how we talk to them and try to tell them our list of acc- accolades and what we've done with our lives. How much we, it could even turn to religious things. It could turn to how much we study the Bible. And I know all these verses. I know all this about God or how much we do Christian things. Like I prayed a lot. I read a lot. I, I studied a lot. I worshiped. I sang louder than everybody or whatever it is or how good we've been. And, and many times it can, it can go those two ways. It's being really good or sometimes we, we even can turn rebellious and just try to just forget about it all and just, I don't really care about whatever. But the reality is we do care and we're trying to mask up our pain with stuff. And, and what's going on is we're crying out for something that God already gives us for free. And some of our attitudes and some of our, the way that we manage our lives, a lot of our dysfunction in life comes from a lack of knowing who we are. Did you guess that? A lot of dysfunction in our life comes from not knowing who we are. I mean, it, it, this, is the, this is the way I think about it, is that if, if we lived in a world, and, and we actually kind of do, but follow me on this, if we lived in a world that determined their identity by their feelings, we would live in a very confused society, which actually we're living in. Hopefully not in the church, and hopefully the kingdom of God is coming out and influencing the world, Right? But when we live, let, let me just rephrase it, all right? Let, let's say it like this. If, if we live our lives and that our, that our identity is determined by our feelings, then we will live very confused lives. Because some days I feel like this, some days I feel like this, and some days I feel like, you know, whatever it is, you fill in the blanks. You with me on this? And, and that's, that's all of it, man. It's sometimes I feel angry, and, and so if I then, then take that on as my identity, I, I would be a little different right now. You know, I'd say like, you know what I'm saying? I, let me just say a temptation that I face is something called road rage. I don't know if y'all face this, but you know, I, but if I lived out of my feelings, then there would be a problem. Are you with me on this? And if, and if you know, and going, hey, let's go, let's go, like get real, real quick, and get deeper on this. Like, like if all of us were really honest in the room, probably I would say at, at least I, I don't know. I would say somewhere around 30, 40, probably 50 percent of us at one point in our life, have dealt with same-sex attraction if we were really real with ourselves. Now, check this out. If we decided that our feelings determine our identity, then we would be confused. I'm not trying to bring condemnation. You know me. But this is the reality that we live in. And all of us in the room have a sex drive. We talked about this earlier this year uh, in our in our Moral Revolution series. <laughs> All of us have a sex drive, right? But if I'm, if I'm determined, if my life is determined by how I feel and living out of my sex drive, how may I understand that I would be a very promiscuous person? Because just because I feel something doesn't mean I have to do it. Identity, feelings do not determine identity. And what happens sometimes is we think that doing some stuff gets identity for us, and we get all confused, and the baggage that comes with all this stuff weighs us down like crazy. And, and so, man, I'm telling you, tonight, uh, there's no stones. There, you, you know, you probably hear more grace and, and mercy and all this stuff than any, you know, anything else. And I, I'm just saying, this is the mercy of God coming to us to let us know, hey, hey, actually, 
what you've been feeling and some of the thoughts that you've been thinking about yourself, they're actually not true. And not every thought that we think comes from you. That's, that's just the reality of it. And so sometimes, we, here may, here's another example. We can walk into a room like this and go to church. And if we walk in the room believing that we're rejected because we felt some kind of thing when we walked in, we felt like this person looked at me wrong or this person doesn't like me because the way I look or the way I dress or, or they knew about me from somebody told them some gossip or whatever it is, and we walk in the room rejected, guess how you're going to interpret everything else for the rest of the time? You with me on this? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And if I feel rejected, then I project rejection on everybody else around me. And so no wonder they treat me like I'm rejected because I'm, I'm treating myself like that. In other words, you teach people how to treat you by how you treat yourself and what you believe about yourself. I mean, I didn't, I didn't mean to get into this right here, but I'm just going to throw it out because we're on this path here. You know what I'm saying? Like, in relationships, you get what you advertise for. You with me on this? Like, like, whether it's male or female, whatever it is, guys and girls do this the same. The way you advertise yourself, if you advertise yourself as easy and you're going to get some and it's all about, you know, all that kind of loose, whatever, whatever, you know, adjective you want to put on top of that. If you advertise yourself as easy, then guess what? You're going to get sketchy guys and sketchy girls all the way, always knocking on your door, trying to get your number, trying to talk to you all day long because you advertise for it. And you actually taught them how to treat you because you treated yourself like that. You see why it's so important to know who you are and to be secure in this thing. Or else we'll be, we'll be looking for, you know, here's the cliche, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know this. <laughs> you know this stuff, right? But when it gets deep into our hearts, we have to realize I have to know who I am or else I'm going to be swayed by every emotion by the next person who shows interest in me, by the other, you know, whether it's a, you know, whatever it is, if it's a, a cute guy or some hot girl or whatever it is, if they show interest in you, you're going to sway towards whoever shows interest in you because you're still searching for who you are. And they gave you affirmation and they made you feel good. So I feel good when I'm around you. So I'm going to go around you just because you make me feel good. And the problem with that is it's, it's selfish and it's lust. Because it's not about what you can give, it's about what you can take from them. And it's not really a love relationship. Because love is not self-seeking according to Scripture. And so when you are really loving someone, it's not about what they can give you. It's about how much you can bless them and give to them and help them. It's not about how much value they can give to you. It's not about how much worth they can give to you. It's not about how much approval and acceptance and all that they can give to you. It's about how you can release that to them because you know who you are. You can give it to somebody else if you really are walking in love. And that's the problem with, with relationships, man. That's the problem with, you know, with, you know uh, not just friendships, but romantic relationships and liking the other person. Many times we're just out there to get some. And I, I'm not even saying sexual. I'm just saying emotionally sometimes. We're just out there to get some, someone who can make me feel good about myself. That's the most selfish thing in the world. And you wonder why the relationships gets all dysfunction and falls apart because it's all about you. But if you make it about the other person and, and loving them because you're secure in who you are and who God said you are, the relationship lasts. Because now it's, 100% of me giving to you and 100% of you giving to me. It's not about what you can give me. It's about what I can give you. And Scripture proves true in this. If you give, it will be given unto you. 
But it, it, it doesn't say, give only when they give it to you first, and then you give. It's like, no, 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 no. It starts with give. That means whatever you have right now, give. And God said, it, it'll come back to you. you. You want friends? Be a friend. You want love? Give love. You want mercy? Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's the way of the kingdom. And it's not just Christianity stuff. It's human being stuff because God created all things. You with me on this? Am I, am I, are we going like, whoa, we just went deep right away. <laughs> and so, okay, listen, uh, we can do all this. And, and when we are working hard to get something that God gave us already for free, it, it, it uh, what's the word? Dis- disconnects. I like discombobulation. That's not the word, but I like that. I don't know. It's like t- shortcuts the power. I don't know how to explain. There's a word. Diffuse. It like diffuses all the power of it all. It's like, it's, it, in other words, uh, when you turn a gift into a wage, like it ruins the power of the gift. You can't appreciate it anymore. And God, and so Romans 6.23, this, this foundational verse, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free, everyone say free gift. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we go, uh, anyway, that's, that's all, <laughs> that was all by way of introduction. I, I have notes here. Maybe we'll use them. I don't know. It, it, it's been an interesting day. And so, uh, <laughs> We, we just have to settle in our hearts that we don't have to, we don't have to try so hard. <laughs> you, I feel like sometimes we, we try so stinking hard for what's already there. I feel like we try so hard. And it's like, it's like Christmas comes around. You got the tree and you got all these gifts around the tree. But you, it's like you just, it's just there, but you're like, no, I'm, I'm not good enough for that. Or like, no, like, uh, you know, can I do some chores for that? Or what? I don't know. We just don't, we like, all these, like, presents are sitting out there. And I feel like sometimes the devil slaps a price tag on it and says, oh, I can't buy that. Like, no, it's a gift. It's, it's not a, it's not a, you don't have to pay for it. And so you got gifts of, you know, God gives eternal life and the love of God and the mercy of God and, and transformation and all these free things that God's giving out. Like, he loves us so much. And, and it's like Christmas time, but we're not willing to, to get presents and open them because somehow we thought that we had to be worthy enough to get them. Or somehow we thought that, uh, you know, we're listening to the voice of shame and shame is telling us that we're not good enough. You know, it, I, I said this last week, but guilt says that I've done something wrong, but shame says that I am something wrong. And many of us live under that, like, cloud, you know, and it's like, that's just not true. You know, let's touch your neighbor and say, So we don't have to earn a gift. We just don't have to earn a gift. It's just not reality. And so if we, uh, we're going to go back to the beginning. And so let's look at this. Genesis 2, uh, God created man and, you know, created Eve out of Adam and the whole, the whole story. You know, he says, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. So, you know, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
You know what? I, here's a side note. He, he, God tells Adam that it's not good for you to be alone, but I just think it's wild that God actually had to tell Adam that. Like, Adam didn't get a clue until God actually let him know. Like, I just believe Adam was so satisfied in the person of God and the creation that God had placed in him and the work that he had for him. He was satisfied with just God. And God had to be like, hey, 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 by the way, Adam, it's actually not good for you to be alone. I want to make you a wife. <laughs> you know, like, and he's like, cool. You know, he didn't know. And then, you know what I'm saying? And then she came up on the scene and he's like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like on the old cartoons with the coyote, Wiley Coyote and the, you know, the, you know, and the, is that the one where his tongue drops out and his eyes bulge out? You know, the whole thing. I just feel like that's where that came from. But anyways, <laughs> you know, one time Eve said, you know, do you love somebody else? And, and Adam was like, who else? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, that was, that was for free. Think about it. Think about it. There isn't. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it's a real good relationship that they had. <laughs> but this is what it says in Genesis 2.25. You're not going to find that story in the scripture. It's in the Hebrew part. But anyway, it's not in the English version. All right. Man, 2.25 this is, the, this is like the most amazing verse. It says, the man and his wife were both naked. Everyone say naked. That was funny. Uh, and <laughs> yes, we finally got to that part. Yeah. No, uh, the man and his wife. <laughs> I feel like I'm in junior high again. This is great. <laughs> um, and the other there's part there's the second part of the verse I, we didn't read it yet because you got stuck on naked uh there's a point though david why don't you put it back up there oh and they <laughs> and they felt no shame that's that's the that's a good part this is what we were talking about earlier they were let's just say this naked not you know yes physically but they all of it was laid open like they were real they were themselves they were we were talking about being free to be yourself they were naked and they had no shame that means they were fully known and had no shame attached to it because that's the scary part for a lot of us like we're afraid like if if i tell you all my story you're gonna be like why is this dude preaching tonight you know what i'm saying like or if or you know talking to each other like i don't know if they're gonna like the real me like they seem to be they, they seem to me that lifts hands and shouts and you know we pray for people and, and we go for it with the lord they seem to, to me that comes to church they they seem that me but i don't they i don't know if they've seen the other me but i like this they were fully vulnerable but there was no shame attached to it that's that's like authenticity at its finest. That's like letting go of who you think you should be so you can just be who you really are. This is where they were living. And so later in the story, you'll, you know this, if you've been around church or you've heard uh, you know, the Bible stories and stuff, but you know, God tells Adam, he says, basically, you know, don't eat. You're, actually, he starts it out with a freedom statement. He says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. It's, it's cool. I love it. It was the first commandment God gave them was freedom. Like, hey, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And then he says, except that one right there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat of that, don't, he says, don't eat that, but when you eat of it, you'll surely die. So Adam, like a good husband, tells his wife, hey, listen, honey, like, don't, 
and maybe it was him. Maybe he was like, maybe he didn't trust her. I don't know. They had freedom, no shame, so I don't know how this worked out. But somehow the message got distorted, and she, when the serpent comes to talk to her about the, the tree, he, she actually says, you should not touch it, because if you touch it, you'll die. So the, the story got a little twisted a little bit, and her, and her thinking, I don't know, wherever the, it could have been a marriage miscommunication, you know, it could have been like, no, I need to say don't touch it because she'll touch it. You know, and she, you know what I'm saying? Like, I need to, like, create a, a fence around the fence around the fence. <laughs> it could have been, like, a, an issue in their marriage. Who knows? They were perfect. I don't understand how it all worked. All I know is she didn't say the, what exactly happened. And so the, the serpent, you know, long story short, he, he deceives her, and she sees the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she was like, it says that it was desirable for food and for gaining wisdom, and she could be like God. So she's like, okay. And so... She went and grabbed the fruit, which actually, by the way, there was no rule that you couldn't touch it. You could build a tree house in the stinking tree for, for all you wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was that much freedom. Like, I just want you to know, that's how much freedom God allowed in the Garden of Eden. Like, you, you could do whatever you want. Just don't eat it. Like, they could play, you know, juggling the fruits. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever they want to do, they could do it. Just don't eat it. That's, that's freedom. It's not like, you know, don't go within five feet of this tree because I don't trust you. It's like, no, you can do whatever you want. Just don't eat it. And, uh, the, the, you know, the devil deceived them the whole thing. And so when they ate it, they actually, it said that, it said in Genesis 3, 7, to them, the eyes of both of them were open because she actually gave it to her husband who was actually standing right there and just let her do it. Bad husband stories right there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if you see your wife going into sin, stop her, you know what I'm saying? Just don't, like, watch her do it and then do it with her, you know what I'm saying? That's not loving, you know? Uh out there. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and it says this, then they realized they were naked. So this is weird. They didn't even notice it. Like, they were so free, and I'm assuming they were so free and so able to be vulnerable, it wasn't a problem for them. This was just normal. And then all of a sudden, they realized they were naked, and apparently shame entered in at this point, because it said they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they, this is what happens when shame comes in. When our stuff starts getting exposed and, and we're not sure who we are anymore, we cover it instead of confessing. And they should have the confession. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. Someone say hid. So, we, so this is what happens. The Lord God, verse 9, called to the man. Said, Where are you? This is God. This is the heart of God. We looked at this, uh, you know, in the person of Christ and him coming and dying on the cross for us and all this stuff. God, in the midst of their hiding, in the midst of their covering themselves, he pursued him. I love that. I don't know about you, but it's like, I, I shared this story about, you know, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about when... Um, But I, but I love this because in the midst of all their fear, it wasn't like, I don't have enough courage to talk to dad. It was like, dad's just coming for me. Not with a heavy hand of uh, correction. And, or, you know, he was 
and give, but not with like the seek to hurt them, to punish and, and to really jack them up. It's like, hey, where are you? Like, I, we, we hang out together. I want to hang out with you. Where are you? In other words, God is more concerned with relationship and connection than he was about their failure. That's a good word. God's more concerned about having a connection with us. And he actually already paid a way for us to have a connection. But let's go back to the story. He says, where are you? God pursues them in the midst of their failure. And, and this is crazy. Verse 10, he answered and he said this, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So right here, it's another thing that happens. We cover ourselves, we hide, and it's all about fear and it's all rooted in fear. We take offense and we have sin fear in here. We sin, we get afraid of God, we get afraid of consequences in our life. We cover ourselves. And let me just say this, that a huge enemy of truth and identity is shame. Shame says, I'm not good enough. Shame says, I'm not enough. Shame says, I don't have what it takes. Shame says, I don't measure up. Shame sends us into hiding. And shame, worst of all, keeps us disconnected. That's what shame does. Shame is the most unhealthy view of ourselves, and it's driven by fear. And so, man, reality is, 100% of us in this room have dealt with shame at one point in our life. And it's caused us to do some wild things, like hide and make excuses. And the reality is that there's freedom tonight to actually just come out in the open, be vulnerable, and say, this is where I'm failing. And instead of covering, we confess. And Proverbs tells us that whoever hides and covers up their sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces it receives mercy. Proverbs 28. And so the story goes on in Genesis 3.11. Here's radical three verses. God responds to Adam saying, I was afraid that I was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Who told you that you were naked? Like a few, like probably about 15 years ago, I would say, uh, my mom took my sister and I to the Museum of Tolerance. Has anyone ever been there? It's in, it's in L.A., and it's a museum about the Holocaust and stuff like that. Uh, it's wild. It's, I don't know what kind of, you know, idiots are saying that the Holocaust never existed. You know, it's like, go to the museum, homie. It's pictures. They didn't have Photoshop back then. It's just like, it's, it's really, it's really intense. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's really intense. They have, and so it's a lot. They tell you the stories, all this type of stuff, and and um, you see just pictures. You know these Jewish people that got taken into concentration camps, like emaciated because they didn't eat. Like I'm talking about skin and bones. I've never seen anything like this in pictures. And just these people were just treated horribly, right? And so they take you through some areas and they show you videos and all this type of stuff. It was. I don't even know why my mom, my mom didn't even tell us what we were doing. You know, it's like, she was just like, hey, we're going to go to this thing. I'm like, okay, we get out there. And it was like, damn. You know, like, it was it was hardcore. But there was this one particular part of the exhibit, and I was trying to Google it today to figure out what the actual name was, because I don't, I don't remember what it was called. I, I'm going to call it the Hall of Shame, but I don't know what it was called, okay? So if you go there, if they still have it, I don't know, this was a while ago. But they had this, like, uh, hallway that you walked through. 
And as you walk through, there's speakers that are strewn throughout the hallway. So when you walk through, you hear here, hear something from here, something from here, and voices. Does that make sense? And so you're walking through, you're hearing people talk. And what it was was as you walk through, uh, they started calling out obscenities and racial slurs and all kind of negative stuff. I'm talking about like words that a 12-year-old kid should not have heard. You know what I'm saying? But I'm walking through there, and you walk through this thing, and it was supposed to uh, give you some empathy and some understanding of this is what it was like to be a Jewish person in that culture and in that day. And so you walk through, and and I'm not going to repeat those words, but they're, they're calling out things. You're hearing it from your right, from your left, as you just walk through this hall. I'm telling you, you know, if you really took that to heart, you'd feel so little as an internet fan. You, you would just feel, like, so belittled, so just, you know, just totally attacked. I remember walking through that, and just, just a whole other level of, like, man, this is what these people went through. But I wonder if that is not a picture of what the devil does to us on our day-to-day lives. We're walking through life, and we're hearing thoughts that cut us down and rip us off of our true identity. We're walking through, and we hear things like, you don't belong. Nobody likes you. You're stupid. You're, you're the only one who's going to listen to you. We walk through life. How could God love you? I mean, he really knows everything. You're never going to fulfill your destiny. Just walking through. Have you ever had that before? You're walking through life and like, what? Why? Why is this going on? And I think of these thoughts. And you may have heard me say this before, but like, I feel like the devil talks to us in the first person sometimes. Scripturally, it talks about uh, flaming arrows that the devil throws at us. And so he knows in the distance he's shooting arrows at us, and they come in the form of thoughts. And so sometimes we hear it in the first person. I, significant. I am unlovable. I am a mistake. I'm just worthless. I'm dirty. And I wonder if it's like walking through those hallways and all this stuff's coming in our head. And if we listen to that stuff long enough, we believe it. And I feel like all of these type of comments are evidence that the voice of shame word, like it says, the sword of the Spirit cuts through all the lies and says, who told you? And why are you believing that anymore? Who told you? And who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were unworthy? Who told you that you were less than? Who told you that nobody wanted you? Who told you that you're not lovable? Who told you that God is not going to love you? Who told you that you're the only one who has this problem? Who told you that you're a mistake? Who told you that you're worthless? Who, who told you? It was the question. The second question could, where are you and who told you? 
whose voice are you really listening to? And with the sword of his love, he cuts through all of the lies. And he just says, hey, you are loved. You Chris Balsman says that you were saved when you believed in Jesus, but you were transformed when you realized you believed in you. Yeah, you were saved when you believed in Jesus, but it, you got transformed when you realized you believed in you. And he cuts through all of our junk and says, hey, who cares? Who told you that? that radio station, you change the channel, turn the dial, do not answer that call. Who told you that? And then God cuts through it and speaks to us. And there's something so powerful when you realize God's opinion of you, how he sees you, how he loves you, how he values you, how he accepts you just the way that you are. And his love empowers you to live life to the fullest. Romans 6, 6 says, we know that our old self, someone say our old self. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself your old self so you could have a new self. When Jesus died on the cross, he took upon himself your old self so he could give you a brand new self. You with me on this? Like all of the junk that we did is nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. It's not even happening today. It already happened. The work has been finished. And, and here, out of Ephesians 1, is a portrait of who you are. This is what it says. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace which He made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Come on, six verses tell us that we are blessed, that we are chosen, that we are holy, that we are blameless, that He loves us, that He predestined us, that He adopted us into His family, He accepted us, He redeemed us, He forgiven us, and He has grace, and He poured out abundance, abundance, wave after wave of grace on our lives. Hallelujah! This is who God says we are. He has accepted you in the Beloved. God has wrapped you up in the Beloved. When God sees you, He sees a Beloved Son. He sees a Beloved Daughter. That's what God sees when He looks from heaven. And, in, and, and when I look at this, I just, I'm just overwhelmed. Like, this is, this is who I am. And we go like, oh, who told me that trash? Who told me all that stuff? And why am I working to get that when He already gave it to me? He already, he already told me who I am. And why am I working? Why am I trying to do some stuff? Why am I trying so hard? Why am I 
try to work so hard for something I already have? Why are you trying to work so hard for something that you already have? That's the reality for us, man. Is it, is it any fun, this walk with Christ? Or is it drudgery? Because we don't know what it is to have actually be free. If our Christianity is that we need to have freedom and, and life, fullness and joy, we have to ask ourselves, who are we following? And what voice are we listening to? If we are constantly ridden with shame and guilt and condemnation, we have to ask, who's the Lord? Come on, are you with me tonight? We're introducing you tonight. <laughs> I just introduced him to you, Ephesians 1. <laughs> this is you. so simple. I want to leave you with really, really simple things, and then the band will come up, and we're going to let this thing sink in our hearts. Real simple. Three foundational truths. Three foundational truths. You've heard this a million times. Really simple though, okay? Number one, you are loved. Real simple. You are loved. Let me say this about the love of God. This is how you know that the love of God is going to work in your life, okay? This is like kind of like a Listen, we just said, you know, we just sang it earlier. It's okay not to be okay. So wherever you are in the process, it's okay. But this is how you know the love of God is working in your life. The love of God transforms your view of self so much so that you have a healthy view of yourself, yet at the same time it takes the view off of yourself. When you're really confident in the love of God for you, you actually have a real healthy view of yourself. You're secure, you're confident. But like I was saying earlier, it's not about you anymore, because you're good. You get what I'm saying? You're so secure that you're not focusing on me, 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 me anymore. My tank's already full. Who else can I pour out on? And so you know that the love of God is actually transforming your life when you have a healthy view of yourself, and life's not about you anymore. When life is all about you and about what, you know, how you view yourself and all this negativity about yourself, it's a sign of selfishness, but it's even more a sign that you need to surrender yourself to the love of God. Stop trying to get something that's yours. Are you with me on this? The love of God is so powerful that it, I, I, listen, let me say it like this. I, I believe that Jesus was the person, you know, the top person on the planet who walked with confidence. Like he was probably the most secure, confident person who ever walked the planet. But do you see this? He was actually the most giving person who ever walked the planet too. He was so secure, and there's a place that you can give in the love of God where you are so, your tank is so full, you're so secure. I'm not talking about having bad, you know, everyone has bad days, you, you know, ugly thought, you know, whatever. I'm talking about that. We all have our days, and we're, we're all on a journey. But the love of God can actually transform your view of self. You're so secure that it's not about you anymore. Because you're good to go. Who else can I pour out? And, it, and this love makes us secure and restful enough to be givers. And Jesus proved his love for us at the cross. He loved us so much that he sacrificed his life to give us that. That's the reality of it. The second thing is that you are worthy. Real simple foundational truth introducing you. You are loved. You are worthy. Worthy has to do with the belief that you deserve to be loved and that you belong. Be honest with yourself. Do you believe that? 
actually the word that we were asking Jesus about. We say this a lot here. But you know how much something is worth by how much some how much someone is willing to pay for it. Jesus would have died for him. He won't give you a life worth twelve. I give my life for someone else. That's what I'm gonna do tonight. I give my life for my son. I've already had like these I don't know, maybe this is a guy thing. I've had these things like if someone, you know, like say I'm walking through a crowd with their kids, this isn't a guy's thing, so maybe it's not on me. I have this like secret like comes to the movie always going on in my head. And so um I'm like walking through with the thing and I'm thinking like if someone like pushed his carriage out of the way like and like and he like had some that like jolts around or whatever, dude, I would like ooh. be like Samson came back from the Bible. You don't know what I'm saying? Like the spirit of the Lord comes on me, I will Woo You know what I'm saying? It's like those movies where they like boom they rip the heart straight out, dude. I will jack up fools, you know what I'm saying? I don't even care. Be like, oh, he's skinny. Be like, well, Samson must have been skinny too because they must have, that's how they know it was the Lord that came on him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be able to rush out when someone's under the anointing. You know what I'm saying? What's the point? Like, I will give everything for my son. I will give everything. I, 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 can't, even, I can't even put in words like how I love you guys. This is how God feels about you. This is how God feels, not just thinks, but he feels this about you. When he thinks of you, he just, he lights up. Like, someone said this, that you are God's happy thought. When he thinks of you, you get a smile. I mean, I'm telling you, my son starts smiling like a, a couple weeks ago. It is the best thing in the world. And then he starts trying to talk to me. Oh, it's the best thing. Like, we try to put him, I don't, I don't understand this. This might be like a brace of God on our lives. But when we put him in his crib to go to sleep, he loves it. Like, he loves going in, he loves going to bed. He loves bedtime. I, I thought kids didn't like bedtime. Uh, my kid's just extra blessed, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, we put him down to go to bed, and he just starts smiling, and then he starts trying to talk to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he starts going, oh, yeah. And he starts trying to talk to me, and he's, like, moving his tongue around. It is the best thing in the world. I was, like, telling him the other night, like, son, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. And uh, Michelle was watching me through the baby monitor. She took a picture of it. She's like, just so you can remember this. I'm like, (laughs) it's the best. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you that are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give? If I'm, if I am a, like, in the process human being, right? Like, I, I got some stuff. I, I got issues. You know what I'm saying? If I feel like that for him, how much more Daddy God? That's how much worth you have before God. That's how amazing you are. Like, it's not about your performance and how well you do. It's just because you're his. We had to change his shirt before he came to church today. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, okay. I don't care. We love him, man. I can't wait for tonight. You get to watch him go to sleep and smile and laugh. 
just think, I just have this inkling that this is how God feels about us. I just think like when he looks at us, he sees past of all, all of our dirt and all of our junk and dirty diapers. So much good gas in my report. Uh, hopefully it's a hell of a but you know what I'm saying? Jesus didn't die for junk. You're worthy. You're worth it. You really are. You're worth it. And the last statement is that you are forgiven. We read this earlier, but Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. Redemption literally means a release and a freedom by the payment of a ransom. You were held captive by your sin, but redemption came because Jesus shed his blood. And it says, Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God. The word forgiveness in, in Greek is like a, a family or something like this. But it literally means uh, apo and then something uh, hemi. And apo means away. And uh, the, another word, hemi, or however you pronounce it, means to send. And it literally means to send away your sins. So when someone forgives you, when, when God forgives you of your sins, he literally sends them away from you. I don't know if you heard of the term scapegoat, but it came from the scripture where they would lay hands on the goat. Their sins would transfer on the goat. The goat's righteousness would transfer on them, and they would slap the donkey or the, the goat, and it would wander off into the desert, and their guilt and their shame and their sin would be gone. This is how God deals with his children. When he says he forgives you, he sends them far away. Scripture says it, Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far as we remove our transgressions. Transgressions, I said last week, is a fancy word for rebellion not just mistakes, but the things that you literally just did, you ran right into. As far as the east is from the west, from the west, so far as we remove our transgressions from us. What Jesus did at the cross forgives us of all of our sin. Ooh. The slate is wiped clean. We have a fresh start, a new beginning. The past is past. The old is gone. You're forgiven. It's been released. It's not just like beginner stuff. So just pretend that there's a big fat tree right here and all your presents are just here. Just you just get them. You can just get them. I want the band to come up and we're going to close and we're just going to pray. Uh, if you are here tonight and you are dealing with shame and you need breakthrough in dealing with self, you need a dark season, we want to pray with you tonight. The reality is, is at least fifty percent of us in the room would be honest enough to admit that that's something that's going on. Uh, but the but the real cool thing is that you're loved and you're worthy and you're forgiven. Why don't you just uh, stand as we come to a close tonight? Introducing. So uh, go ahead and um, Ross is going to hit those lights. It's going to be deep. It's, it's going to be awesome. Pump, you know, pump, you know, just pops and all, you know, all of it. Like God's in the mix. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you now. We thank you for breakthrough in this place.
God, we thank you. We don't have to earn our love from you. We don't have to earn acceptance or approval. We don't have to earn any of it, God, but you come as a free gift. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and that you would speak these things directly to our hearts. Jesus, you said that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. And so right now, come, Holy Spirit. And release truth. The sword of the Spirit, send it out now, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus, God. This is who we are in Christ. This is who we are, God. And right now, Father, I pray that you would literally break the power of shame over our lives tonight. Spirit, just thank you for truth being released over our hearts tonight. And so it's a, it's a little, 30 more seconds, and we're going to do something else. Thank you, God, for how you feel about us, how you think about us. Mercy tonight. 
us covering ourselves, but you cover us. Your covering is better than ours. Your mercy, your love is everlasting. We can't even find the end of it. It just keeps coming. Holy Spirit, pour out the love of God in our hearts. We want to feel it, God. Let us feel love. If you're here and you're saying like, yeah, actually, I, I, I've been dealing with shame and I would love someone to pray for me. This is, this is not like a, oh, the jacked up people deal with this. This is everybody in the room. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we have this weird perception that it's, oh, it's the, you know, the less than people. Like, that's trash. We all deal with this to some degree. But for some of us here, one really powerful way that shame breaks off your life is vulnerability and being real about it. And so something can just break by you just actually admitting in the midst of everyone around here who can see you and saying, yeah, actually, that's me. And so I'm going to ask you to be bold and say, if you're dealing with shame, I want you to acknowledge that in front of everybody, not for any type of shame thing, to like ashamed you, but like to actually show like, hey, number one, you're not alone. But number two, we're going to fight with you on this one. Like shame dies in vulnerability. It's like the light shines on it and it just it just gets exposed and it loses its power. Are you with me on this? And so, real quick, if this is you and you're like, yeah, actually, this is something that's been really messing with me and I'd like to see this thing gone out of my life. The very fact that you reveal that in front of everybody actually already kills half the battle. It already, it already releases it off of you because you're actually being vulnerable enough to get that. And vulnerability always kills shame because shame tries to silence. The less you talk about shame, the more that you know you deal with it. When you talk about it, it shows that there's authenticity and freedom to be yourself and it, it, shame loses its power. So if that's you, just put up your hand and say, yeah, I, I need that. Wow. Come on. Thank you, God. I want you guys to look around and I want you to see that if you see someone near you that has their hand up, I want you to put your hands on them and I want you to pray and break that thing off of them right now. In Jesus' name. Come on. This is for real right now. This is real. People are being real and vulnerable. Thank you, God. That's amazing.